0: 23 down, 342 to go. My name is Chris. This is At A Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Last Night in Soho uh, and Tragedy Macbeth, which I saw in Boston uh, on Saturday and Sunday of uh, the previous weekend. Um, I went to the Brattle Theater and AMC Boston Common 19. It's my first time ever going to the Boston Common Theater. Uh, it's a really huge large theater uh talk about those two theaters as well as get the box office report and kind of see where we are from that standpoint quick spoiler not in a great position we have we might we might need to make some changes or do some kind of crazy stuff here the next couple weeks here we're we're, i won't say we're uh in in dire dire straits but we're definitely in a little bit of trouble but, and, and then obviously I'll give reviews of last night in Soho and tragedy meet Beth at the end of the show uh, Okay, so let's get right into one thing that's happening is the weather So uh, it looks like there's going to be a snowstorm Friday night into Saturday morning That's kind of the, the vibe I'm hearing right now on the, on the local networks here No one knew, knows who's going to go out to sea or if it's going to end up kind of hitting hitting uh, New Hampshire and Massachusetts pretty hard we don't know yet. Keep an eye on it. I'm going to have another episode out tomorrow. So you're getting, you know, episode, got an episode yesterday because I was away You're getting an episode today and then, and then Wednesday, and then obviously another episode on Friday. So I'm sure as the week progresses here, we'll have more details there, but definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. The good news is the rest of the week, looks pretty clear. So I think we're in good shape at least until, until Friday, Saturday, I was uh, in Boston with my wife. Uh, we were, uh, celebrating our anniversary and having a a fun weekend in Boston. And we went on Saturday to the Brattle Theater uh, and saw Last Night in Soho. Uh, which was a pretty well. I'll talk, about, I'll give the review later. I enjoyed it, my wife loved it. Uh, but the bridal theater, yeah, I've been there before, uh, to see the apartment. So, my second time there, like I mentioned, so one screener. They have that weird king cola soda, and uh, it was, a, it was a nice time at the theaters beforehand. We went and got uh, lunch at an Italian place, and it's called Toscano. So, uh, nice, got a nice little Italian meal, went and saw a matinee. It was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable time there. Uh, the bridal theater there's a really nice job. My whole issue with the bridal was parking, uh, but obviously we're staying in the city. So we just took an Uber over. So that I kind of rectified that element, you know, all in all much, much more convenient, easier time. The first time I was at the Brattle for sure. Since I've talked on the show about uh, the bridle, a lot of people reached out and who are go to Cambridge more often than I do and saying there's all sorts of apps you can have where you can basically pay your meter uh, as you go, which I'm sure most of you listening probably already know this. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not very tech savvy. and I'm always a, f- I don't, I don't have many apps. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do it. Uh, it sounds like that's an easier way to do it. Cause I would say that the time I went and even, um, uh, earlier in the month and even on Saturday, there was street parking available. So, uh, if you can, you know, I was just worried I wouldn't be able to put enough quarters in the movie would last too long. I would, I would then get a parking ticket, but apparently you can constantly kind of keep putting in quarters as you, as you go from your phone, which I'm sure most people know I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm an idiot. What do you want me? What do you want from me? I guess Sunday is kind of the bigger takeaway. I went and saw. I went to the uh, AMC Boston Common 19 and saw *Tragedy Macbeth*. Uh, so this theater is quite large. It has IMAX. I didn't go to the IMAX element. Uh, I went into just to one of the regular theaters. It was. I wasn't as impressed with the theater as I hoped to be. This theater was built in July of 2001. It used to be a Lowe's. AMC has since uh, bought that out. So there's no remnants of the Lowe's anymore, just as AMC on it. Uh, I think the IMAX is downstairs, or maybe I'm sure it takes up a number of floors because you walk in at the ground level, you buy your ticket there, uh, and then uh, you then go up, uh, two esca- you know two flights of, of escalators to get to where you're gonna go watch your movie at it, it's at that four is where you get your concession uh, and everything and because this theater is so large and, you know, it's I went to a, like an 11 o'clock matinee of Tragedy of Macbeth. So, you know, and there weren't, look, there were other movies uh, playing as well, but it was empty. I mean, but it was extraordinarily empty. This definitely was another one of those feelings where it's like, you know, you're the last person on earth. I know Sunday matinees aren't going to be, you know, heavily attended, but this is just, you know, this theater is so huge. You couldn't help but feel like. You know like last man on earth a little bit, uh. You know they, they had the concessions right there, and then and then you you know walk right in. But it, it did feel a little bit dated, and but it wasn't until I actually got into the theater itself that I, I realized how dated this was. This theater was built in July of two thousand one, and it, I don't think the theater I saw *Tragedy Macbeth* in had gotten a bunch of refreshes, and the bathrooms felt older too. Everything just kind of felt a little. Everything was clean and nice, and uh, but it definitely didn't feel as modern as a lot of the other theaters I've been to. You know, for instance, you know, the seats obviously didn't recline and kind of had that feel, had stadium seating, but very primitive stadium seating. I mean, probably in 2001, it was state of the art. I'm sure it was. And you could tell like this theater was not built cheaply. So I'm sure, you know, they spent some money on it and it was, uh, and it was fine. I mean, the, the movie looked great, you know, and sounded fine. It was a perfectly good theater, There's a lot of theaters like, you know, Brattle, which is in Cambridge, or, you know, uh, Landmark Kendall, which I've been to a few times, that's in Cambridge. You know, Boston Square Mileage isn't a huge city, and there aren't too many movie theaters in Boston itself, and this is the largest one there. I would have expected it to be a bit more modern and be be a bit nicer, but honestly, the same thing happened when I lived in New York City. I lived in New York City for about four four or five years. The theaters there, for the most part, aren't as new or as modern as you may think. You think the city, you might think it's supposed to biggest and best and newest. And sometimes that's the case. The IMAX, uh, I went to in New York, uh, uh, the biggest IMAX theater in, I think, the Northern Hemisphere. I saw like Dark Knight Returns there, which you know, just giant, the biggest screen you'll find in, in America. Uh, but, you know, the regular day-to-day theaters, though, the theater I would go to in the city on a regular basis, they, they weren't as new as the ones I'm seeing in the suburbs here in Boston or even some of the suburbs here, even in New Hampshire. Uh, so, but yeah, it was a perfectly fine movie experience. I'm sure I'll end up going back there. It's a pretty large theater. So they do have, uh, sometimes they'll have some, you know, offbeat movies and, you know, sometimes it might be worth kind of going to a theater that a lot of people go to. But I'm guessing if you're listening to this and you're in the Boston area, you may have a lot of experiences at theater. I'm kind of interested to hear what your takeaway is. It was the IMAX, something I really need to experience at that particular theater. There are other IMAXs obviously in the Boston suburbs. Uh, is there anything kind of special about that theater? Or is that simply a theater that, yeah, in 2001, 2002, it was, was state of the art, but now it's just you know starting starting to show its age a little bit. Uh, oh, one more thing about the Bridal Theater I didn't mention. So th- I saw Last Night in Soho there. Last Night in Soho came out in October, was a box office bomb. I mean, it, it cost, I don't know, 45 million to make. Uh, it It's brought in 23 million worldwide. That's not just domestic, that's everywhere, and this is a very British film. Uh, this is a movie that's completely tanked. Uh, I'll get into some of the reasons I think why, even though I actually like the movie. Um, but uh, what Bridal Theater is doing is uh, the first few months here of 2022, they're having the best of 2021. So, and I don't mean like the best, like as far as you know, biggest blockbusters, some maybe critical movies that maybe uh, you may have missed or for whatever reason, and they give them kind of like a one. Uh, one day showing. So this was the one day they were showing last night in Soho. And it actually was attendance was pretty strong. I think it, had, it was showing three different times that day. I went to the earliest matinee and there were, I don't know, I'd say about 20 people there, which for the, for the sake of this project is quite a bit. Uh, okay. So let's talk scheduling here, or at least the box office preview. We'll talk maybe official scheduling tomorrow, because by then I'll know the uh, what the theaters are going to be releasing uh, individually uh, for next week. But We'll talk about the box office report here, as always, I'll break this up into tiers as far as kind of what my focus is going to be for the upcoming week. Um, Just so you guys know, uh, on uh, today, uh, Monday, uh, the day I'm taping this, I saw Matrix Resurrections, and then tomorrow I'm seeing Licorice Pizza. After that, I've made a commitment for the next eight or nine days to get weird. I think we need to really buckle down and get weird. And I'll explain why as I read this box office preview. Okay, so number, uh, the first four movies I have no intention of seeing this week, and they are Spider-Man No Way Home. It made it was number one uh, this week. It, over the weekend, it made $14 million. It's pretty rare. It, it's not the rarest, it's not a Honus Wagner baseball card rare, but it's pretty rare for a movie to drop out of the number one slot and then creep back in but Spider-Man is such a behemoth and this box office is so strange. that did happen. I say it happens maybe two or three times a year. And the fact that it's or in like what the third or fourth week of January, and it's already happened, tells you how strange this box office is right now and how dominant Spider-Man is. Spider-Man by the way, up to $720 million. That's just domestic. That is absolutely insane. It's banana land. That's wild. It's a huge number. Uh, you, I mean, anything over 400 million is insane in a non pandemic. 720 is just hard to even wrap my head around. Uh, Number two, which was number one last week is Scream. It made 12 million. That's a 60% drop off from last week. Uh, That is obviously a lot, but at the end of the day, it is a horror movie and horror movies typically have a huge drop off. Horror movies are skewed to younger audiences. Younger audiences are the type of audience that's going to go see a movie opening weekend. And that's it where movies for, More mature audiences, you know, older adults. Those are movies that typically have a longer have a will have a longer time in theaters. They'll they'll play for like West Side Story is an example. Like that only dropped off 22% from last week, and that's pretty much what I've been seeing. Um, I've been seeing 10 to 20% drop-offs for them week after week, which is pretty low. It's getting good reviews, even though I didn't like it. It's getting good buzz, good word of mouth, And, and older audiences don't rush out to theaters like you do see with uh, movies like a horror movie, like Halloween or scream. Number three is sing Two, five 5.7 million. So that's starting to get in the area. It's his fifth week in release where I should probably start maybe considering seeing it. But for right now, we're going to keep that in tier one. And the other movie in tier one is redeeming love that made $3.5 million. This is the, uh, movie about a woman who's in, who's a prostitute that, it's also, I guess, has some Christianity themes regarding it. It's gotten terrible reviews. It made 3.5 million, but it's only in its first week in release. And remember, I talked to John, uh, John Kiernan uh, from Cinema Salem last week, and he was saying how most new releases have a two week lock. So because of that, I'm going to wait and hold off. Uh, it's in 1900 theaters opening weekend, It'll probably be 1900 theaters again next week. So I- I'm going to wait on that one or at least another week. Uh, I, 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 There's just nothing else. Also, the other thing too nothing is coming out next week because of Morbius, <laughs> Morbius, the movie I've talked about so much in the show, because it has had such a huge impact on the box office and scheduling. Morbius was supposed to come out uh, this upcoming Friday, and it's not. And they took Morbius off the schedule. Nothing else took its place. So because of that, there's a huge wide gap there. In fact, the only movie I see that's opening at all is a documentary about GameStop, uh, you know, the video game store and the stock market. Uh, impact it's had in the last you know year or so. Someone made a documentary about it. I mean, I'll, I'll go see it obviously. Um, but that's it. There's no wide releases. And because of that, and because of what I'm about to, to get into now with the list is that this is why I'm a little bit of danger zone here. Like we got to really buckle down and see some weird, strange shit. Because if I keep seeing movies that are getting wide releases, I'm going to run out of movies. This is the first time in this journey where it's like, all right, I could be at risk here. And here's why. So number five is The Kingsman. Number six is 355. Number seven is American Underdog. Seen all those movies. In fact, Kingsman, American Underdog, they're in their fifth week of release. So the fact that they're still in the top 10, I mean, we're not, I mean, Kingsman was supposed to be a hit. That's obviously a bomb, but American Underdog, I mean, it's a Kurt Warner story. Uh, You know, I mean, this isn't a movie that was going to do Gangbusters box office. The fact that it's still hanging around in the top seven in it's fifth week in release tells you how few movies are being released and why this is not the easiest Maybe time to be doing something like this project. Uh, number eight is The King's Daughter. So, this is uh, a movie didn't get a lot of buzz. Uh, it's starring Pierce Brosnan and William Hurt. He's a great actor. Uh, Rachel Griffith from uh, Six Feet Under, she's in this as well. I guess here, here's the uh, description here from IMDb King Louis XIV's quest for immortality leads him to capture and steal a mermaid's life force a move that is further complicated by his illegitimate daughter's discovery of said mermaid. I, this sounds horrible. I mean, I, I uh, but I think I'm, I don't quite know what to do here with this one. So it's in 2,100 theaters. So it's in more theaters than Redeeming Love, the prostitution Christian movie. And it only made $750,000. So it's averaging $345 Per theater, which is wild. That is so. That is Venom territory. D- There's a little bit better than Venom did last week. Uh, Venom, of course, in its 17th weekend release. This was its opening weekend. So I might actually end up going to see King's, King's Daughter next week, I think. I, I'm going to try to hold off as long as I can. I just worry it's going to go from 2170 to nothing. But I, I got to imagine it's going to hang around at least some theaters in that week three. But that is a ridiculously no, low number. So I'm a little nervous of how long that's going to be in theater. I think redeeming love might hang around because there's nothing else, but King's Daughter, this mermaid Pierce Brosnan movie, that this could fall fast, even in this climate. Number nine is West Side Story, 10 Licorice Pizza, which I'm seeing on uh, uh, tomorrow or today when you hear this. 11 is Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I saw on January 1st, a little regret there. Number 12 is Belle, 13 House of Gucci, 14th Matrix Resurrections, which you'll hear about tomorrow. Or you'll hear, but I'm sorry. On yeah, tomorrow when you hear this, uh, 15 is Encanto. By the way, I was the only person in Matrix Resurrections today. 16 Nightmare Alley, 17 Venom, 18 Parallel Mothers. So you can see those are all movies I've already seen. So a little bit of nervous feelings here, uh, with in regards to movies that I have already burned through. Number 19 is Drive My Car, which I'm actually interested in seeing. I believe that's uh, it's uh, three hours long, but obviously it's gotten great reviews though, so I'll definitely will go see that. And number 20 is a journal for Jordan, which I've already seen. So I think I'm going to need to get a bit more creative with some of the movies I'm seeing. So Wednesday, I'm going to be seeing Casablanca. Thursday, I'm seeing an Albanian film called Hive at the Portsmouth Music Hall. Uh, It's about an Albanian family. Uh, it's, it's, It's in the Albanian language. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with that. That will be unusual. Uh, that would be my third foreign film so far on this journey. And then I'm going to need to get pretty strange. I'll talk more about the scheduling, like I said, next episode, uh, which you'll hear tomorrow. And then hopefully we can kind of look at maybe what some bizarre options are. Now, there are a couple stragglers out there that I still haven't seen. Dune, Belfast. Those are movies uh, that I would gladly see. I haven't seen them locally. Uh, Dune was in 105 theaters last week, Belfast in 63, nothing local. There's a movie called Flea. It's a, uh, it's a cartoon, I believe about, about middle Eastern uh, people trying to escape war or what? I know it's at playing in Kendall landmark. I might need to see that this week. There's a movie, a red rocket, which I'm dying to see. That's also has, I haven't seen that playing locally a ton. And then French dispatch is playing at the Portsmouth music hall in February. I'm going to wait to see that there. Uh, it kind of gets, it gets straggly there. There is one movie though, uh, that I did want to talk about here, the tiger rising. So the tiger rising is a, um, here's a description. A young boy discovers a caged tiger in the woods near his home. Uh, this is starring Catherine McPhee, Dennis Quaid and Queen Latifah. So that movie, if you notice was not on the list I read off, neither was tragedy Macbeth. So some of these streaming companies and tiger rising, by the way, I, I have no idea why that's not, on here that is uh the production company here is who is the studio uh production companies are gg films with a z bay point media and streamline global group sometimes with these really small studios is they don't have they don't report what the movies make to the uh traditional box of report or the numbers or whoever accumulating this data. They don't have that same sort of like relationship where they are giving that information out. I, I'm tiger rising. Wasn't a number of theaters h- here in new England. So I'm guessing it's national. Um, it has obviously it has some, I say big names, but it has some certainly some celebrities in, in the film. It's not complete unknowns. Uh, so that wasn't on the list. So that is something I actually might try to see this week. Uh, cause I'm a little worried that if it's in, you know, if it's not even being reported, I don't know how long that's going to be out for. The other movie was tragedy Macbeth. If you notice, that was not on the list I read off. That's because it's Apple Plus is uh, the, is the production company behind that. They're releasing it in theaters. It also is streaming as well. Obviously, the streaming companies are not putting out the box office reports in every movie. You saw this with Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up was in theaters for the first couple of weeks before it was even on Netflix, and it did horrible numbers. I heard no. The problem is you're kind of cobbling together rumors and you're trying to read like some trade papers, trying to get some sort of idea for what that box office is. But the box office numbers for Don't Look Up, I heard was like $500,000 in opening week. Now, the problem was they only, when they put the trailers out of the commercials on TV, they basically said it's on Netflix. And it did phenomenally well on Netflix. According to them, it was, you know, it was the most watched movie on Netflix, I believe for a while. Uh, and they do it by how many a minutes you watch it's watched, you know, worldwide. And I guess it did very, very, very well, but it was in theaters for a couple of weeks before you catch on Netflix. It did star Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and didn't do shit box office wise. It didn't do well. Believe me, if it did well, you would have saw it in the reports. It did not do well. I heard it did astronomically bad. Pardon the pun. Uh, It did not do well. So some of these streaming movies, you got to be aware of because it might not pop up in the traditional list. And the other thing I'm worried about with some of these streaming companies is they'll pull them quick and quicker than I might be able to see them. And uh, that's why I don't look up. I was a movie that came out in December, uh, but it's obviously it was out for only two weeks and they immediately pulled it and I wasn't able to see it for this project. So definitely something to be aware of there, but we'll talk more about scheduling um, when I talk to you folks. Uh, tomorrow. So one thing I wanted to do here once a month is uh, instead of doing a typical ad read is uh, I wanted to do a a charity read. So a read, uh, hopefully benefiting a good cause. Uh, A fan of this show would like you to support his run at this year's Boston Marathon. And he's benefiting the cause. It's one mission. Uh, one mission is a charity that does whatever it takes to get kids through cancer. He was a participant in the life loser challenge, uh, that the Kirk Minahan show talked about. Uh, and he, he kept doing, even though the challenge ended, he kept training. And now he's running the Boston Marathon. This is a guy that was not a marathon runner at all beforehand. And uh, he's been working his ass off uh, for the last couple of years here. And now he's running the marathon and he's doing it for the, uh, the one mission charity. Uh, So please visit Twitter user at life loser 99. And you can click the link on his bio and you can donate directly to one mission through his fundraising page for an absolutely fantastic. It's a pediatric uh, cancer charity. Um, Kids with cancer is that's, most unfair, brutal thing in the world. Uh, and this charity, uh, goes a long way to helping those kids out. Uh, there are mild dedications available, uh, as I guess is a super bowl square game opportunities. I'm just going to give a donation. Uh, I hope for you folks will too. Uh, I think, I think it's a, it's a, you know, if you, if you have a little bit, you can spare, uh, I think it's in, uh, you, you're not going to find a much better charity than that. Uh, you can also use the link in this podcast episode description. I'll make sure I put this in the notes. Uh, so the Twitter user is at Life Loser 99, or like I said, check out the link. I'll put it in in the show notes, and then a tax deductible receipt will then get sent to your email after your donation. Uh, I'll talk about it again at the end of the show here, but uh, one mission seems like a great charity. I didn't know a ton about them before that, uh, but yeah, once a month I'd like to do charity read, and um, luckily you know audience here has been great, uh, so I know that I'm sure you guys will help out however you can. Okay, so let's talk a little bit uh, some reviews here. So I went and saw uh, last night in Soho. My wife loved it. So she thought it was fantastic. I liked it a lot. I'm going to go ahead and get, and it's going to get a B for me. Uh, This is a really good movie. It's super creative. Uh, Edgar Wright is probably most famous for um, Baby Driver. He also did uh, the Scott Pilgrim movie a few years earlier. He's a really creative director. He's doing, he's not doing IP. He's doing unique work that he's writing. He wrote this with uh, a woman named Christy Wilson Cairns, uh, who helped write 1917, which is maybe the best military movie ever. Uh, and he directed this. Uh, he has this, Edgar has a story by credit as well. I think this is his idea. And he has a cast of, I don't want to say unknowns, but certainly not huge stars. Thomas and Mackenzie. Um, you might remember her from uh, Jojo Rabbit, which is a, a better movie than this one. This is a good movie though. And she's fantastic in both films. And then Anya... Taylor joy kind of plays her, I don't want to say doppelganger, but her 19, you know, a 1960s version, uh, of, uh, of her, if you will. Uh, and it's, it's a very unique. I don't want to really give anything away. I believe you should be able to find it on all streaming services. Now it's came out in October. Like I said, it, it tanked pretty quick, but it's a really unique movie. There aren't a lot of movies like this. I like the first act a lot more than the third. It eventually kind of becomes a, a horror movie at that point. I think it kind of loses its it's creativity and originality, where the first act is really exciting and unique. You're seeing this kind of this girl hit uh, be in London for the first time, and how exciting that is, and it's shot really brilliantly and and uniquely. Uh, it's a very good cast. It's a very interesting story. I definitely recommend checking out Last Night in Soho if you have a chance. Um, I don't know if it's going to get a lot of Oscar buzz. Maybe you might see it sneak in one for cinematography, something like that, or certainly for costuming. The score, I'm sorry, the soundtrack is also fantastic. It's all like 1960s British songs uh and he picked some some interesting ones I, I think this movie is really worth seeing uh so definitely check that out if you can uh the other movie i saw was tragedy of Macbeth*. this movie is not good uh but i also don't like shakespeare so you have to look at it through that prism okay so if you love shakespeare this review is ex- extraordinarily meaningless to you if you think this you know watching shakespeare on the screen is something that you enjoy then go for it i am so you know probably heard of my west side story review Ah, uh, Shakespeare. I'm done with Shakespeare. I used to have to, you know, my, in my high school, I'm guessing it might be the same with you folks every year, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, we had to get assigned a different Shakespeare play in English. And I loved English class. One of my favorite classes. And I loved, you know, reading different books that were assigned. Honestly, I would dread the Shakespeare, you know, freshman year is Romeo and Juliet. I think Macbeth was senior year. We had Hamlet mixed in there. It was just, oh, just dreadful. I don't think, I, I I don't like anything about it. It doesn't feel, anytime I'm watching Shakespeare, I'm constantly reminded I'm watching Shakespeare. It never feels, I never can really get invested or get involved in the story itself because, you know, obviously, no, that's not how people typically speak. So you have to kind of deal with the long-windedness, but it just feels, it's just so, I don't not even the word pretentious, but so extraneous. It's just so much. And it's just, it just bores me to tears. I, I mean, I'm gonna give this a C minus. All right, so Pastor Shakespeare stuff, this is directed by Joel Cohen. It has Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand in it. And McDormand is quite good. Um, She's obviously playing the queen. Uh, and Denzel is is good too, but there's no chemistry. I'm sorry, Lady Macbeth and Denzel, of course, is a Macbeth. Should probably get the names right. They, there's no chemistry between those two. I, I don't ever really believe that they are married or they're, th- th- there's any sort of romance there at all. Individually, they're they're interesting, but together they're really not. Film is shot oddly. It's all in black and white. And it's all shot on sound stages. I guess uh, Joel Cohen—he's directing this. Usually, it's Joel and Ethan Cohen that direct and write stuff. Joel's doing this completely on his own. He does get a screenplay credit, which I always think is odd. Because I mean, I get it—it's based on Macbeth by Shakespeare. You know, don't don't be fooled by that. It definitely—you might as well be, you know, reading the what he originally wrote in the whatever the 1500, 1600s. It's all shot on sound stages in Hollywood. So. It feels, I guess, they want to have like a dreamlike quality to it, but because it's all shot on sound stages, you know, some of which I guess they shot half of it uh, or most of it before the pandemic, but a good chunk of it after, it feels empty. The cast is pretty small, so like he's in these like kingdoms, but there's like ten people there, and he, I guess that's for, I guess that's to add to this dreamlike quality, but it just feels like they just like didn't have enough actors. The cinematography is quite good. There's a lot of close-ups. You do feel like you're watching something from the the thirties or forties, even in some regard from the way it's shot between the black and white. So this isn't shot in widescreen. The cinematographer is, uh, I guess Bruno de Bonnell and, uh, he was trying to shoot it like a Fritz Lang. So like a older classic movie. So it, you know, it has that square box to it in the screen. So it definitely feels like you're watching a much older film. And I guess that adds to some, like I said, does feel a little dreamlike, I guess, uh, But I don't know. I thought this was painfully boring. I'll give it a C minus. It's hard to really, for me, it's hard to be critical about straight Shakespeare because there's no way I'm ever going to enjoy this. Like I can appreciate some Shakespeare knockoffs, like you know, like I said, the original West Side Story has some value there and uh, has you know some great music and there's things that I can really like about that. Uh, But when you're just doing straight from straight from the Bard, if you will, I, I mean, I could pretend I'm this like you know high and mighty critic and talk about how elegant it was. But it's just not, I honestly, I sit there, I'm just fucking bored. I think a lot of people were bored. I think a lot of people pretend they like this stuff. I definitely feel it's like an emperor's new clothes a little bit with Shakespeare. Like, I don't know. I don't think anyone can really enjoy this. Not only that, but we all heard this fucking story so many times since we were in school. There's nothing that surprises us or is, you know, wildly unique. It's the same fucking story. And a lot of the stuff that they do, it has been rehashed for 500 years now. 400 years now. Like, there's not a lot of you know meat on the bone with the with these stories. I I, I don't know. I, I find this you know like I said painfully boring. Uh, a very 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 low C minus. About as low as you can get there. I mean borderline D plus. But if you enjoy Shakespeare, I guess check it out because the acting is decent. Brendan Gleeson's in it. Uh, he's quite good. Uh, Stephen Root has a small uh, cameo. He he's you know he's always fun to watch. But and the black and white element I guess is a little unique. I don't know. No thanks. Shakespeare sucks. Uh, okay. So I'll be back tomorrow with a scheduling report. Kind of go over what the next week's going to bring. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, might be multiple Albanian movies. I'll be, I'll be watching the next week here. And then um, hopefully an update on the snow as well. And then I'll be talking about the movies, Matrix Resurrections and Licorice Pizza. Quick reminder, uh, please go to Twitter user at LifeLoser99's bio. Follow the link and support his run benefiting one mission a pediatric cancer charity that does whatever it takes to get kids through cancer. Uh, your contribution is greatly appreciated, particularly because last year's Boston Marathon was delayed until October, which in turn has made the donation window uh, really a really short period for the 2022 Marathon. Uh, and then please remember, you have opportunity there to dedicate a mile of the marathon, uh, join a Super Bowl Square fundraiser, or just donate. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, so please, any he says, any amount uh, at all is greatly appreciated. One mission. Uh, it seems like a fantastic charity. So please uh, do what you can to help them out. Thank you so much, guys, and I will talk to you folks tomorrow.